0: Hi, welcome to Bible study for regular people. I'm Tana and this podcast is for those of us who are not Bible scholars or experts and really engaging in daily Bible study goes about as well as our last diet. At least that's how it tends to go for me. This is my intention to make Bible study convenient and fun. So you can just listen along or you can grab your Bible and follow along. Let's get started. Good day. Welcome to episode 13. I do realize that the last two episodes I both called episode 12. Uh, That's my bad. We're just going to call them episode 12A and 12B and we're going to move right along like it never happened. How about that? So today... Uh, we will be reading, if you want to pre-mark your Bibles, Psalm 9, we'll be reading out of Second Chronicles chapter 7, and John chapter 15. So mark those if you're following along, otherwise just listen along and let's get started. Today we are at Psalm 9. The theme is God never ignores our cries for help, and thank goodness for that. The author is David, possibly written after a victory over the Philistines. It says for the choir director, a Psalm of David to be sung to the tune "Death of the Sun." Sun is spelled S-O-N. So interesting to the tune of death of the sun okay anyway psalm 9 verse 1 i will praise you lord with all my heart i will tell of all the marvelous things you have done i will be filled with joy because of you i will sing praises to your name O most high my enemies retreated they staggered and died when you appeared For you have judged in my favor. From your throne you have judged with fairness. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have erased their names forever. The enemy is finished in endless ruins. The cities you uprooted are now forgotten. But the Lord reigns forever, executing judgment from his throne. He will judge the world with justice and rule the nations with fairness. The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. Sing praises to the Lord who reigns in Jerusalem. Tell the world about his unforgettable deeds. For he who avenges murder cares for the helpless. He does not ignore the cries of those who suffer. Lord, have mercy on me, see how my enemies torment me, snatch me back from the jaws of death, save me so I can praise you publicly at Jerusalem's gates, so I can rejoice that you have rescued me. The nations have fallen into the pit they dug for others, their own feet have been caught in the trap they set. The Lord is known for his justice. The wicked are trapped by their own deeds. The wicked will go down to the grave. This is the fate of all the nations who ignore God. But the needy will not be ignored forever. And hopes of the poor will not always be crushed. Arise, O Lord. Do not let mere mortals defy you. Judge the nations. Make them tremble in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know they are merely human. Wow, what a great psalm. Uh, I don't know about you, but I notice he talked about God being the judge and reigning with justice and fairness an awful lot. Let's see. Uh, From your throne you judge with fairness. He will judge the world with justice. Justice, rule the nations with fairness. He's an avenger. The Lord is known for his justice. So at least five times. Oh, six. Six. Six times he talks about God as judge and ruling with justice and fairness. Well, it's a good thing God is the judge and not me. That's all I can say there. In our story of Solomon, we have been in the first few chapters of the book of 1 Kings. Solomon is king. He's built the temple. And last time we read about the temple being dedicated to the Lord. Now... Uh, today, we'll be reading Solomon's prayer that he prays for the dedication of the temple. I could continue reading in 1 Kings 8, starting in verse 22, and you're welcome to follow along there if you choose. However, I have decided to read the 2 Chronicles version of this prayer, and it will be in 2 Chronicles 6, starting in verse 12. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the entire community of Israel, and he lifted his hands in prayer. Now, as I go through reading this prayer, I am going to be listening for how does he start his prayer, how does he end it, and what are the main things that he chooses to highlight in this prayer. So if I could identify a couple themes and pay attention to how he starts it and how he ends it. That's what I'm going to be listening for. Continuing in verse 13. Mm -hmm. Now Solomon had made a bronze platform, seven and a half feet long, seven and a half feet wide, and four and a half feet high, and had placed it at the center of the temple's outer courtyard. He stood on the platform, and then he knelt in front of the entire community of Israel and lifted his hands toward heaven. He prayed. O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in all of heaven and earth. You keep your covenant and show unfailing love to all who walk before you. Sorry about that. I had a phone call right in the middle of my recording. So he's starting off here praising God. Uh, You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father, you made the promise with your own mouth and with your own hands you have fulfilled it today so right there in the first paragraph he is uh talking to god and about god's good works who he is and the good things that god has done for him verse 16 and now O lord god of israel carry out the additional promise you made to your servant david my father for you said to him if your descendants guard their behavior and faithfully follow my law as you have done one of them will always sit on the throne of israel now O lord god of israel fulfill this promise to your servant david so there's his request verse 18 but will god really live on earth among people why even the highest heavens cannot contain you how much less this temple i have built Nevertheless, listen to my prayer and my plea, O Lord, my God, hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is making to you. May you watch over this temple day and night, this place where you have said you would put your name. May you always hear the prayers I make toward this place. May you hear the humble and earnest requests from me and your people Israel when we pray toward this place. Yes hear us from heaven where you live and when you hear forgive if someone wrongs another person and is required to take an oath of innocence in front of your altar at this temple then hear from heaven and judge between your servants the accuser and the accused pay back the guilty as they deserve acquit the innocent because of their innocence if your people israel are defeated by their enemies because they have sinned against you and if they turn back and acknowledge your name and pray to you here in this temple, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and return them to this land you gave, them, uh, you gave to them and to their ancestors. I'm immediately struck here. I know we're right in the middle of his prayer. Uh, I remember last time when he was... Was it he who was talking about justice, about the justice of God a lot? That might have been the New Testament. I'll go back and look. Okay. Verse 26. Anyway, because he's talking, basically asking God for his justice towards his people here. So that's a recurring theme. Verse 26. If the skies are shut up and there is no rain because your people have sinned against you. And if they pray toward this temple and acknowledge your name and turn from their sins because you have punished them, then hear from heaven and forgive the sins of your servants, your people Israel. Teach them to follow the right path and send rain on your land that you have given to your people as their special possession. If there is a famine in the land or a plague or crop disease or or attacks of locusts or caterpillars, or if your people's enemies are in the land, besieging their towns whatever disaster or disease there is and if your people israel pray about their troubles or sorrow raising their hands toward this temple then hear from heaven where you live and forgive give your people what their ancestors deserve for you alone know each human heart then they will fear you and walk in your ways as long as they live in the land you gave to our ancestors in the future so now he's praying a series of almost blessings over his people in the future foreigners who do not belong to your people Israel will hear you if they will come from distant lands then they hear of your great name and your strong hand and your powerful arm and when they pray toward this temple then hear from heaven where you live and grant what they ask of you In this way, all the people of the earth will come to know and fear you just as your own people Israel do. They too will know that this temple I have built honors your name. So he's hoping word about God's goodness and greatness will spread across the world. If your people go out where you send them to fight their enemies, and if they pray to you by turning toward this city you have chosen and toward this temple I have built to honor your name, then hear their prayers from heaven and uphold their cause. So he's praying for for others to, to come to know God and for God to answer their requests as well. If they sin against you, and who has never sinned, you might become angry with them and let their enemies conquer them and take them captive to a foreign land far away or near. But in that land of exile, they might turn to you in repentance and pray. We have sinned, done evil, and acted wickedly, If they turn to you with their whole heart and soul in the land of their captivity and pray toward the land you gave to their ancestors, toward this city you have chosen, and toward the temple I have built to honor your name, then hear their prayers and their petitions from heaven where you live, and uphold their cause. Forgive your people who have sinned against you. O my God, may your eyes be open and your ears attentive to all the prayers made to you in this place. And now arise, O God, and enter your resting place. Along with the ark, the symbol of your power, may your priests, O Lord, be clothed with salvation. May your loyal servants rejoice in your goodness. O Lord God, do not reject the king you have anointed. Remember your unfailing love for your servant, David. So immediately strikes me is he starts off praising God. Then he prays for himself. He prays for his people. He prays for foreigners. The message to me is in my own praying to start off praising God and make my requests and that it's important to pray not only for my own uh, circle of people around me, be it coworkers, family, uh, also pray for my church and my nation and the world as a whole. So continuing to kind of broaden my my circle of who I'm praying for. And then he kind he actually ends it here with a little poem. Um and just a statement the last the last verse is, O oh Lord God, do not reject the king you have anointed. Remember your unfailing love for your servant David. It's just a, a, a prayer that God will follow through with his promise to his father. Okay, and then the last bit that's going to wrap up this kind of major section of scripture is the dedication of the temple i'm going to move forward in the second chronicles version which is now chapter 7 and it's just a few verses here when solomon finished praying the fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and sacrifices and the glorious presence of the lord filled the temple The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. When all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down and the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, they fell face down on the ground and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices to the Lord. King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 cattle, 120,000 sheep and goats. And so the king and all the people dedicated the temple of God. The priests took their assigned positions, and so did the Levites who were singing. His faithful love endures forever. Those were the lyrics. They accompanied the singing with music from the instruments King David had made for praising the Lord. Across from the Levites, the priests blew trumpets while all Israel stood. Solomon then consecrated the central area of the courtyard... In front of the Lord's temple, he offered burnt offerings and fat of peace offerings there because the bronze altar he had built could not hold all the burnt offerings, grain offerings and sacrificial fat. For the next seven days, seven days, Solomon and all Israel celebrated the festival of shelters. A large congregation had gathered from as far away as Libo Hamath in the north and the brook of Egypt in the south on the eighth day they had a closing ceremony for they had celebrated the dedication of the altar for seven days and the festival of shelters for seven days then at the end of the celebration solomon sent the people home they were all joyful and glad because the lord had been so good to david and to solomon and to his people israel that's the end of this section of scripture So, I really just have a couple of verbal footnotes to share with you on this section. Uh, One is about 2 Chronicles 6, verse 13. When Solomon is starting off this prayer, he's standing on that platform in the courtyard of the temple. And then it says, He stood on the platform and then he knelt. In front of the entire community of Israel. And the commentator in my Bible points out how rare it was in that time for a king to kneel, to kneel before anyone. And that this act of Solomon kneeling in front of the entire nation to see uh, was a really, really big deal. And that was a sign that Solomon also had a king, and his king was God. And so I thought that was really cool. And also verse 18, Solomon prays, but will God really live on earth among people? And I kind of chuckled to myself because I can picture Solomon uh, getting to heaven one day and his, you know, immortal mind being blown when he learns that God actually wasn't just living among humans in spirit, but actually came to earth as a human, was born from a human, and then let himself be tortured and killed by humans. So I can only imagine uh, Solomon responding to the knowledge that God actually became Jesus, you know, and everything that Jesus went through. Uh, I do have a footnote that kind of lists the types of things that Solomon prayed that God would hear when his people prayed about it. Uh, crime, enemy attacks, drought, famine, the influx of foreigners, war, and sin. What it doesn't list here is that he's all. he also prayed for those foreigners when they come to Israel and they learn of God and they pray to God. He prays that God would hear their prayers as well, which I thought was really... Um, really cool that he inserted there Um, and that message going all of the people hearing it kind of told them a little bit about how Solomon expects them to treat foreigners and to treat them well and then it also points out uh, uh, Solomon's pattern of prayer and how what we can take away from that in our own prayer life he says he had five basic requests One was for God's presence, absolutely. Uh, For the desire to do God's will in everything. For the desire and ability to obey God's decrees and commands. I can definitely say that I pray for God's presence in my life and I pray that I will do God's will. It doesn't always occur to me that I will pray to be obedient. I do have... But I think that's probably something I should do more of. Uh, Four, for help with each day's needs. And five, for the spread of God's kingdom to the entire world. I really like that outline for his presence. Desire to do his will in everything. The desire to obey his decrees and commands. Help for each day's needs. And to spread God's kingdom to the entire world. I love it. Testament, we've been reading primarily out of Matthew. And in our storyline, uh, the disciples and Jesus have had the last supper. He's washed their feet. He has predicted Judas's betrayal and Peter's denial. And then we have flipped over to John, where It includes some of Jesus' last teachings before his crucifixion. And last time we were in John 14 and Jesus talked about uh, that he is the only way to the Father and that when he goes, he will be sending the Holy Spirit. So now we're in John 15. This is where Jesus teaches about the vine and the branches. John 15 verse 1. you are the branches those who remain in me and i in them will produce much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers such branchless uh, such branches are gathered into a pile and burned but if you remain in me and my words remain in you you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commands, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commands and remain in His love. Well, if I ever needed... I'm taking a break from scripture. If I ever needed confirmation that God's love language is obedience, this would be the verse that affirms that for me. Continuing in verse 11, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friend since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. not going to read any more in the New Testament today. I think this little section here um, is plenty to focus on. First, I wanted to just share my thoughts on what the fruit is. So in this scripture, it does list that by staying connected to the vine, we will have the benefits of prayer, joy, and love. Answered prayer and then joy overflowing and love from God. And possibly those are fruit. Of course, many people believe that the fruit means uh, making more disciples for Christ. It could be the qualities of Christian character. My personal views are that the fruit here is talking to talking about the fruits of the Spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. To me, that makes the most sense because it's directly out of scripture and it stems from his final command here. This is my command, love each other. That ties directly to the fruits of the spirit because that's going to be part of the expression of how we love each other now that's just my personal thoughts um also about jesus calling us friend he says he names a couple qualities of a true friendship one is that they confide in each other and the other is that they would die for each other and he says i have done both of those things for you right He has confided in them and he's going to die for them and he calls them friends first. Now in context, he's at least talking to his 12 apostles, possibly more of the disciples. And from what I understand, this would have been a teacher-student relationship, an apprentice relationship. They were following him as their rabbi. And so it would be really, really weird for a rabbi to turn to his apprentice and say, you're my friend. I'm going to confide in you. I would die for you. Um, It seems like that would be really atypical for the times. Uh, And yet it's still applicable today. What Jesus was saying to his uh, disciples and apostles in scripture also applies to us today. And so I don't think it had really ever hit me before as much as it hit me just now that Jesus sees himself as my friend, (laughs) you know, because he's my God, my King, my Savior. Um, I might see myself as his friend, but he'd be the cool one, you know? So anyway, that just, that just stood out to me. Um, in a way it had not before. Uh, I hope that a lot of things in this passage and in all of our scripture reading has hit you and that you'll take some moments to pray on it, dwell on it, sing about it, um, etc. And I hope that it brings some positivity into your life today. And God bless. Go in peace.